So this morning, you see this old, decrepit bicycle standing here. If you took a very close look at it, it is in bad shape. My friend Earl Knight called me about two months ago, and he said, you're the bike guy. Yes, I'm the bike guy. He said, we're getting ready to retire. We're going to move to Arizona. I've got a couple of old bikes I'm looking to get rid of. Are you interested in taking them? I've learned the hard way. When someone asks me a question like that, I always say yes. Always. I won't tell you all the reasons behind that, but all, I always say yes. And so then he said, one of them is my wife's bike. It's an old three-speed. And then the other one is my bike. It's a Schwinn Varsity from the early 60s. And I said, early 60s? Schwinn Bar- what color is it? Blue? Rats. Mine was red. I've been looking for a bike like this to restore. Now this bike... You can't see it as well as I took some pictures that Dave's going to show you up here. But this bike is covered with rust almost everywhere. It is in terrible condition. It's been outside. If any of you put your bikes outside, don't get me started. Daniel's bike's not outside, is it? No. Okay, good job, good job. So this bike is in terrible shape. Um, rust everywhere. Uh, down here on the powertrain, the derailleur, the rear cassette gears, the chain, it's all rusted. The chain's all... It's in terrible shape. Here, the, the chain rings, the other half of the powertrain, all rusted, cruddy. Uh, I, I don't even know if I can get some of this stuff off the bike. Um, the front, both the tires look like they've been ridden hard and put away wet. Um, the front, the aluminum uh, wheels are all rusted. Uh, there's, this is all rusted. Handlebars are in terrible shape. This bike, I may not be able to restore, I don't know. But I've been looking for a 63 Schwinn Varsity for five or six years. Wondering if I could find an old one that I could kind of give new life to. Uh, my hope was to find a bike that I could fix, repair, and give it a new day. A new day of life, a new day of, of energy, a new day of service. Uh, this bike is nothing like the bike I'm riding today. This bike probably weighs three times or four times my carbon fiber road bike that I ride. But this was my junior high high school bike. I got all these memories. And so I'm looking forward to spending some time, spending some energy, and restoring this bike, giving it new life. And as I've been thinking about our theme this year of, of Come Alive, our whole focus, as what I've suggested to you, is the, the word alive reminds us that we have a living Savior, right? The word alive reminds us that yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he paid for sin there. But he rose again from the dead. He is alive. And we should get excited about that. And that word come, I suggested to you, you could see it as a command where Jesus would say to you and to me, come alive. Or you could see it as an invitation, which is kind of my, my favorite way to look at it. He's inviting us into his life. And so our theme verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, anybody put it on their phone besides me last Sunday? Who put it on your phone? Who's got it on your phone? Okay, coolness. And if you'd like to get that little picture on your phone, uh, we'll help you. We'll either get one of those kids to help you, or <laughs> with a little coaching, I can help you. Anyway, our theme verse, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? 
New creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. And so as we go forward into 2022, as we welcome our new pastor, our energy and our expectation is that God's going to do some new stuff, right? He's going to do some exciting stuff in our midst. And I've always been fascinated, that word new, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that, that word is the idea of something that is brand new. It's fresh. And God says... All these old things are passed away. All things have become fresh, brand new. One translation says, if anyone be in Christ, he is a brand new person. And so if you're in Christ this morning, if you, if you put your faith and your trust in Him, the message of 2 Corinthians 5.17 is that there's an old life and there's a new life. And all things are becoming new. In Romans chapter 6, Paul uses the analogy of burial and baptism together. And he says that we've been buried with Christ in baptism. And just like Christ was raised from the dead, alive, right? Just as Christ is raised from the dead. So Paul says we have been raised to what? Anyone know? Newness. Are you going to talk? Good guess. Newness of life. And so that's, that's the journey that we're on. And so... I've been thinking about this this thing of new, new life, come alive. What what is that all about? And then when Earl called me and I picked up this old bike, I thought, that's exactly what it's all about. It's taking something that needs new life, needs to be invigorated, reinvigorated. And so one of the thoughts that has struck me as I reflected on this is you and I have a God who specializes in newness. Our God specializes in making things new. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for that. If, if I was really smart, some of you know I'm not that smart. If I was really smart, I would give this bike to somebody who's an expert. I would give this bike to that if I was really smart. He showed me a picture of a bike he's just restored, and I am jealous to the max. If I was really smart, I would give this bike to a specialist who knows what they're doing. Instead, I'm going to try to do it myself. God is a specialist, and he specializes in doing new stuff. And if you think about this, the scriptures are filled with the idea of God and that word new. Anybody reading through the Psalms with me this year? Today is the 30th day of January, right? Five Psalms every day, one chapter in Proverbs. And when you get to the 30th day of the month, you have arrived at Psalm 150 and Proverbs 30. Fortunately, you got one more day in the month, so you can read Proverbs 31 and start get started on Psalms again. But as I've been reading through the, the book of Psalms this month, with this mindset in my in my head of looking for that word new, one of the themes that runs through the Psalms over and over again is the theme of a new song. 
God calls on us to worship Him with a new song, a fresh song, a fresh expression of praise, a fresh expression of worship, a fresh expression of joy. He calls on us to sing a new song. The book of Psalms is filled with that. Do you know what other book in the Bible mentions a new song? Ron? Wednesday night Bible study group, have you gotten that far yet? The book of Revelation talks about us in heaven singing a new song. Oh yeah. There you go, you forgot. <laughs> Oh boy. And so the, the idea of a new song, fresh, you know, we just sang a new song that, that our worship team introduced us to uh, Awake My Soul. And that song could have gone on all morning. When, when, it, when it came to its end, I, I, in my spirit, I said, No, no, go on. Um, that song has an amazing message to me. That's a new song to me. That awoke something new inside of me. A new song. As you read your Old Testament, you find the, the thought of that which is new. Um, the prophet Isaiah referred to a new heaven and a new earth. 600 years before Christ, he talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Is there any other book in the Bible that talks about a new heaven and a new earth? Not a trick question. You know, Peter talks about it, but the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1, how does that chapter open? I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And so this, this theme of what's new, and the, the prophet Ezekiel says, um, God wants to make this new covenant with his people. God says, I'm going to put a new spirit in my people. I'm going to make a new covenant. Jesus spoke about a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So this theme of new just kind of keeps, keeps speaking to me. That our God specializes in making things new. I'm, I'm grateful for that, aren't you? He makes things new. And some of you can bear testimony to that in, in a very, very powerful way in terms of what God has done in your life. The old has passed away and all things are becoming new. That we're all in the process, and this is kind of my second thought as I think about this new. God, 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 God does new like nobody else. But He wants to do new in your life and in my life. He wants to do new in my life. Fresh, new, brand new. That old, old attitudes, old opinions, old viewpoints, old habits, old behaviors. God wants to transform and make you and me new. And, and the, the scriptures are filled with this idea. In Psalm 51, in David's great prayer of confession after his sin with Bathsheba, he cries out to God. He says, against you and you alone I have sinned. His focus isn't on the fact that he sinned against Bathsheba. 
He sinned against Bathsheba's husband Uriah. He sinned against the nation of God's people. David's focus is, I have sinned against my God. You and you alone. And he cries out to God, wash me, cleanse me, purify me. And toward the end of that psalm, Psalm 51, he says, uh, create in me a clean heart. And what's the next line say? Anybody know? Renew a right spirit within me. You see, God wants to do that in your life and my life. We fall, we fail, we sin, we disobey. And like David, our sense ought to be against you and you alone. Create in me a right, a renew a right spirit within me. God wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in my life. To create that, that new spirit. Romans 12 has an interesting expression. Take your Bible. In Romans 12, I just love these two verses as the chapter opens. Because Paul is looking back at the first 11 chapters as chapter 12 opens. And he's looking back on this um, theological discourse that he's had for 11 chapters where he's talked about the, the problem of sin. He's talked about the, 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 the forgiveness of salvation. He's talked about spiritual growth and transformation. And then he looks back and he says, Therefore, I urge you therefore, brethren. What does that word urge suggest to you? On a scale of 1 to 10, how important was this to Paul? Yeah. Yeah, this is at least a 10. He says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, everything that we've just talked about, he says, I urge you, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, what? Renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the will of God. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so Paul, Paul's appeal to you and to me, just as he appealed to the Romans, his appeal is, give yourself to the Lord. Present yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Totally, wholly, completely available to Him. And you've probably heard it said, the problem with living sacrifices is what? You crawl down off the altar. And Paul says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. It's your reasonable act of service, or some translations say worship. So the reasonable, logical, intelligent response... To everything that God has done for us in redeeming us, saving us, and bringing us to Himself, the reasonable, logical response to that is to do what? Present yourself holy to the Lord. Like a sacrifice on the altar. Lord, everything about me is yours. I belong to you. And Paul says, then don't be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, what, what hinders this process of renewal in your life or my life is the fact that we live in a, a world system that's antithetical, it's opposite to everything that we believe and embrace. And so Paul said to the Romans, don't be conformed to that world. 
Phillips in his translation says it this way. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. And that's what this culture wants to do. This culture wants to shape your thinking, your attitudes, your behavior in a way totally opposite to what Jesus wants in your life and my life. And so if the problem is being conformed to this culture and to this world system, what's the solution? What's the answer? Paul tells us right in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how does that happen? How does your mind get renewed, rewired, re- reset? It's right here in this book. The only thing I know that helps rewire and reset the way that we think, the way that we reason, the way that we live, from old to new, is this book. I was having trouble last night getting online to our Wi-Fi. And it was just really weird because I've never had that issue before. You know, I, I come here, I open up my phone, I'm instantly online. I open up my laptop, I'm instantly online. Neither one connected. And I tried that for several minutes and got frustrated. And I thought, I'm going to call Tim and see if there's a spectrum problem or if it's our problem. And so Tim says, well, I will come to the church when I come before the meeting last night. He says, I'll I'll reset the wireless. Turn it off. I don't know what you do. I count to 30. Turn it off, count to 30, turn it off. But the, the whole idea was we needed a reset. We needed to renew that connection. That's what God wants to do in your life and my life, to, to renew that connection, and it happens in the pages of this book. God is in the business of renewal. New life. Being revitalized, if you will. And as I thought about Romans 12, 1 and 2, I was reminded that just a few chapters earlier, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. They've been predestined, foreordained, that they might be, anyone know where that verse goes next? Conformed to the image of His Son. And so I found it interesting that in Romans 12, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let this world push you into its mold and shape and behavior patterns. And then in chapter 8 he had said, God's purpose and plan for renewal and resetting in your life and my life. What is God up to? He's transforming me. He's transforming you to be more like Jesus. So whatever it is in your life, whatever whatever your life experience is, whatever it is that's happening in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, what is God's end game? Make you more like Jesus. Anybody got stuff going on in your life? You know, stuff. We all got stuff in our life. 
I've got stuff in my life. So I have stuff going on in my life that challenges some, some character traits, like patience, <laughs> kindness. I have stuff in my life that wants to, to push me into the mold of the world and to respond with impatience, respond with anger, respond with sarcasm. That's one of my superpowers. Um, and Paul says to me, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My, my goal, my end game is that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus, be like him. And so, am I more like Jesus today than I was a year ago? Hopefully. Yeah. Are you more like Jesus today than you were a year ago? That's hard to quantify, hard to measure, I guess. But that should be our ambition, right? To not be conformed to this world. And Paul talks in a couple of his epistles in Colossians and Ephesians about putting off an old man, putting on a new man. And it's this process of renewal that God's at work in your life and my life to bring us to a new day where we're going to be just like Jesus. Is that day ever going to come, by the way? Will there ever be a day when you will be totally, completely like Jesus? Well, if I read 1 John 3 correctly... The Apostle John says in verse 2, uh, Brethren, we're the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we see Him, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And so, whether you like it or not, there's going to come a point in time when you're going to be just like Jesus. And we might as well get into step with what God wants to do every day, every week, every month. To make us more like Him. Because God is one who specializes in renewal. Giving new life and new energy. One of the passages that I found as I thought about this and uh, reflected on this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is talking about... uh, He's talking about suffering, he's talking about pain, he's talking about the difficulties and challenges in life. Anybody experienced any of that recently going on in stuff in your life? And and Paul talks about the fact that we, we live in this tent. Tents are temporary, right? He says, we live in this tent and we have this groaning thing going on because we long for the house that God's preparing for us. This tent is temporary. And then he says this in, in, oh, where do I want to go here? He says, get my thoughts together. John Blanks. Yeah, you got it, Nathan. Where did I want to go? So in 2 Corinthians 4, right? Come on. There we go. And he says this, From now on we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. And if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. But he says there, um, 
We're putting off the old, putting on the new. And he says, we don't lose heart. Though our outer man is decaying. Anybody experiencing your outer man decaying? (laughs) Yeah. He says, even though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Outer man perishing. Inner man what? Being renewed. And so, God is a specialist. He specializes in making things new. And what he's up to and what he wants to do in 2022 is we come alive to him in new and fresh ways. He wants to continue this process of renewal in your life and in my life. To make us more like Jesus. Don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. Because the reality is there are strong powers at work against you and me reaching that goal. There are strong powers at work that hinder us from becoming more like Jesus. The Apostle John said in 1 John 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are of the world, not of the Father. And I wish I had more time to kind of unpack that this morning. But I'm reminded as I read that, that God is at work to renew. He wants to renew you, and He wants to renew me in the year ahead. And that's going to happen as we recognize the culture we live in is constantly trying to mold us and shape us to be like it. Everything you read in the newspaper, everything you hear on the news, everything you see in the movies that you watch, everything you read in the magazines that you read, everything you see on the internet, everything, all the above and much, much more in this culture are pushing you in the opposite direction of where God wants to take you. God wants to do a work of renewal in your life and my life this year. He wants to do that in new and fresh and exciting ways. He also wants to renew us as a church. He wants to renew us as a family of Christ followers. He wants to give to us and to our church a new day. And my friend Nathan Bryant is here with Assist Church Expansion. A year ago, this weekend, or next weekend, I forget, uh, we voted to partner with Assist and invite them to help us with this process of not just simply finding a new pastor, but bringing an, our church into a new day. And so I invited Nathan to come and just speak a little bit to that on this theme of, of renewal, this church, of re- this idea of revitalization. Our God is an expert at renewing. Nathan's not an expert. My friends and assistants are not experts. I don't think you claim to be experts. No. But with the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit and the direction of God's Word, uh, they've been helping dozens of churches across our country and uh, just exciting to see what God's doing and what He wants to do here. So Nathan, talk to us a little bit about that new day and renewal. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Pastor Roy. Uh, I'm so encouraged by what I'm seeing happening 
Uh, you know, it's been kind of a, a journey, hasn't it? As you guys have been wondering how we're moving forward and who's going to be your next lead pastor. But in the meantime, I think Pastor Roy has done just an amazing time. Amazing job. Don't you agree? Absolutely incredible to see his faithfulness, his experience, his knowledge, his love for Jesus, his love for God's Word, and his love for you folks. And uh, I'm hoping he doesn't go anywhere. I think he's uh, <laughs> praying for that. So, uh, But really, really encouraged as we've been able to work with you. I remember when I was here before last year, I shared these verses in Isaiah 43, and they're kind of right in line with Pastor Roy's message this morning. He, uh, he says this, in 43, verse 18. He says, forget the former things. You know, as a church, you guys have been on a journey, a long journey, a hard one, difficult. And God says to you, he says, forget the former things. See, I'm doing a what? A new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And the God that we serve, as Pastor Roy shared eloquently this morning, is he's the God of new. He makes all things new, doesn't he? Behold, I make all things God wants to do something new here. Now, now it springs up. Do not, do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And, and that's what God does. And, and God is doing that for you. We, we have been working together in this process. Uh, you have agreed to partner with us. And that partnership is a five-step process. We call it our five big rocks. And the first step that we worked on together last year as we talked about these things was we challenged you as a church family, do you want to have a new day? Do you want to try to make something new out of your church? Not continuing with the same, but make something new together. And will you do that with us in partnership with us to walk this five-step process to make something new? And you guys said, we do. (laughs) Right? You voted. Say we're going to partner with us, we're going to walk through this five-step process to make something new here. And by God's grace, it will be something new that will be effective for us, but also to reach many for Jesus. That's, that's our goal, right? So that's what we, we, we decided that together. We planned on that together. So that was step one. We call that unity. We unified you around working on something, making a new day for your church in partner with this five-step process. So that was number one. Step number two was we need to find a new leader to tell, take you to that new place, right? That was what we talked about. So we spent a year finding a new leader. We promoted you, we talked to lots of guys, and, and we did lots of research. We evaluated almost 60 or 70 potential candidates for your church. So we did lots of stuff. And at the end of the day, we presented you with Pastor Oscar, and you guys voted last week 97% for a Pastor Oscar. That is amazing. I think you need to give yourself some hand. I think it's really important that you understand, like for us, for me, who's the one who builds the house? But we labor in vain unless the Lord does it, right? I think the Lord is the one who builds the house. And, and when, the, when that prospect of Oscar went to the elders, and they were uh, strong in support of that, I felt that that was of the Lord. When the prospect of Oscar came to you, and you guys had a chance to interact with him, and he interacted with you, and, and for the Holy Spirit who lives in you to affirm through you with the body of Christ a 97% affirmation, I think that's of the Lord, don't you? And so as we look forward, that, that's a big step. Who's the leader who's going to take you into the future together? Uh, that has been, that's been decided. And, then, and he's accepted that calling as well. It was beautiful to watch that video this morning to hear him receive that. 
and the expectation and excitement he has of talking to him. I spent actually two and a half hours talking to him yesterday. We met at the Denny's up here down the street, and he was so excited talking about all the ideas. I said, well, slow down on the ideas. <laughs> He's so excited about what God wants to do here. And, and uh, you have an experienced, seasoned, uh, uh, gifted leader that's coming to you who loves the Word of God and loves the loss and he's going to love you. So I think it's just a wonderful opportunity to take the next step. So, first step is unity. We don't want to stop that step, even though we're moving to the next one, right? We want to stay, what? Unified, right? Because unless, you know, a house divided against itself, what? Cannot stand. So we always want to maintain and work to maintain the unity of the church as we move forward into the future. But we're working towards a new future, right? We're not staying here. We're moving to someplace new. And so we've now step number two, got to be a leader. So that's praise. I mean, that's a huge answer to prayer. I know a lot of you have been praying hard for that, and God has answered, so we want to praise Him for that. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So the next step is step three. So what's the next step? Well, Pastor Oscar has to get down here and to start meeting with you, connecting with you as a family. He needs to start connecting with his community, get acclimated. But he needs to start building a team because we don't want to see Pastor Oscar leading you alone. We want to see him build a team. And so that will be the next step. And that will take a while for him to build a team and figure out who's here and who can help. And that vision team uh, will be developed. <clears throat> so that's step number three. So that will take some time. So this isn't like instant change. We're not microwaving your church. Okay? This isn't a microwave New Day church. That's not what's going to happen. So step step two, find the leader. Step three, he needs to build a team. So he needs to have some time. Some of you will want to be on the team, but not all of you can be. So be patient with that. Because some of you might be offended that you couldn't be or whatever. But you, God will choose that team through that leader, and you need to work with that. So that will be that's how it will work. So that team we built, and then that vision team will take nine months to a year to rethink the church. And what we're going to challenge that vision team to do is to, to really, really look at who lives here now. Not, not who used to live here, but who lives in this community in 2022, and who are these people that God's called you to reach? And where is the focus, the target, the energy of the church should be? And let's, let's do our missiological work to really think about who God has called us to reach who lives here, and then how do we then go about doing the work of reaching them, integrating them into our church family, making disciples and developing leaders and multiplying and growing that church. And what does it look like? And so as, as assist, what we're doing, we're not prescriptive. We're not going to be telling Pastor Oscar or your elders, this is how you should do church, and this is, you need to do this, they're doing this in New York City, you need to do it here. We're not doing that. We're not doing that at all. But we are going to walk with Pastor Oscar and your leadership team through a vision revisioning process. It's going to be a strategic planning process. And that's going to take a lot of time, a lot of work, because we're not going to ask like a couple questions. We're going to ask all kinds of questions. And the vision that that team comes up with, I don't know what they're going to come up with. I have no idea. So I, don't, I can't speculate. But you need to know that they're going to be working really, really hard. And we need you as a church family to be praying really, really hard as they're doing that. And they'll be interacting with the elders. And nothing that's going to come out of that will be like forced down. It will be going up to the elders and have to be approved there. And they'll be brought back to you. And you guys will talk about it. And then that's step number four. So step number one is unify. Step number two is get a leader. Step number three, build a great team. Step number four is make a great plan. And a plan based upon who you are, who you're trying to reach, 
and how do we set the stage for the next 10 or 15 years for the church? So that's what that process is all about. But, but you know, everything looks good on paper, right? <laughs> everything looks good on paper. So they're going to make a plan, but after they make a plan, they're going to come back to you guys and say, okay, now here we're going to, we're not going to change some stuff. And everybody's going to like that, right? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, yeah, he's going to come back and say, okay, we're going to change some stuff. We're going to make some, some changes. We're going to build some new teams. We're going to come up with a new vision. We're going to have a new strategy. And we want to do this together. And some things are going to go. Some things are going to stay. Some things are going to change. I don't know what all those are. I have no idea. They'll figure it out. Right? But the whole goal of that isn't to change for change's sake. The goal is, is to change so that we can be more effective to reach the loss that God's called us to make the disciples he wants us to make. Right? So that is the relaunch phase of the church. So that's the last phase. And that change, that institution of the change, to reorientate your church with the new culture, the new vision, the new strategy that you're going to roll out. You're likely going to rebrand and all those kinds of things. And then we will kind of relaunch the church with this new vision in this new strategy into the community and see what God will do in terms of having us reach people, integrate them into our church family, develop and multiply disciples, develop leaders and help you grow, and to see where God will take you. So that's the kind of the big rock, the five big rocks. So we're going to unify the church, get a leader, build a team, make a plan, and then we're going to relaunch the church. So you guys have some time left to go, right? So you're not there yet, but you have passed a tremendous hurdle. In fact, the most difficult one of all is finding a really good leader. And I believe that God has sent you a great leader and looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. We're going to be with you through the whole process. We're not, we're not leaving you. Now that you've got the leader, we're not exiting steam left. That's not what will happen. What's going to happen now is that we'll be engaging with Pastor Oscar. He'll be assigned a coach, and that coach will be working with him once or twice a month for this whole season, for the next year and a half to two years as you guys walk through this together. Uh, I'll be engaging your leadership team once a quarter with the elders and with Pastor Oscar just to check in to see if we're all on the same page and working together and everything's going well. We're going to be providing resources to Pastor Oscar, so he's going to be into a, a, we have a cohort of other guys who are revitalizing churches, so he's not going to be alone. He'll be able to engage and talk to other pastors who are trying to figure out how to navigate this space and interact with that. We're going to be providing training shops and workshops for your leadership teams so they can work on their plan and get that worked out. Uh, and then we're going to be engaging the district to talk about how they can help resource you guys as you start making decisions and moving forward so that you're not alone as a church, that we're all working together as a fellowship as well as assist and anybody else we can bring in to help you succeed as you navigate this next season in front of you. So you still have a ways to go in terms of starting something new. But what we don't want to do is just start a bunch of new stuff. Uh, it's kind of like I, I used to say to somebody, you know, um, if you don't know where you're headed, you can move the wrong way with great energy and great attention, but it messes you all up. Like, you know, so I used to drive back and forth. I lived, my mom and dad live in uh, Maine. That's where I grew up. I'm from Maine. And I lived in D.C. for a while, Washington, D.C., but so I could just start heading to Maine for fun to go see my family. But if I'm supposed to be in Florida, I may be at work in the wrong direction. So with all the good attention and all the good energy, and nothing wrong with Florida. In fact, I would prefer that than Maine, but especially right now. <laughs> but I could start heading the wrong way. So some of you may be eager to do this and do that, and that's awesome. Share those visions, share those ideas. But wait till you have a unified plan that you can do together, right? And that togetherness is really where you're going to find the power 
uh, of God's Spirit working for you to do it together. And so I'm looking forward to all that God's going to do. I'm so excited I can be here today. I just want to echo one more time to Pastor Roy. You've been just tremendous in what you've done and how you've served faithfully uh, in this church. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. Can I pray for you guys? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the Norwalk Church. Thank you for their commitment to faithfully stay with uh, the four here and to make sure that they are behind the Word of God and the mission of God in reaching the lost. Thank you for the community that's here, people who love one another and love you. And Lord Jesus, thank you for their willingness to say, yeah, we want a new day. We want to do and be what you want us to be to be effective as your, as your body. And we believe there's many lost here that we want to help to see found. Thank you for Pastor Roy and his commitment to you and to your people and to your church. And uh, we just praise you for him. And we thank you. And we pray that today would be a great day for him and in the work that he's done. And in the, even the years ahead would be a lots of joy as he thinks about the possibility. So we praise you, Lord, for what you're doing. It's, it's you who, do, who does it all. We just are making plans and you direct our steps. And we look forward to your leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're throwing the curve to the worship team, and that's okay. They can be patient while I while I wrap up what I want to say this morning. So our God specializes in doing new stuff. He wants to do new stuff in your life, in my life. He wants to do new stuff in our church. And so I wonder this morning, what does God want to renew, refresh in your life? Is there an attitude? Belief. Is there a behavior, a habit that God wants to renew, refresh? Have you or are you presenting yourself as a living sacrifice? Holy, dedicated, committed to the Lord. That's what He wants in this transformation process of making you more like Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And so as we go forward as a church, uh, Nathan's just reminded us, pray, pray for Pastor Oscar. Pray for our church. Pray for our elders as we go forward. Lots of choices and decisions. A lot of work to be done. Uh, just make that a daily prayer. Pray for, for our church and, and our impact in this community. I just want to urge you in the strongest way possible, make that a part of every day. Uh, I want you to pray. Uh, I want you to serve. Where, where does God want you to fit into the ministry of this church? Where does He want you to serve? Uh, we need help with children. We need help in lots of different ways. Uh, as you climb up on that altar and make yourself available to the Lord, uh, where, where does He want you to serve? Um, pray, serve, um, join. We got lots of people that are part of our church family that come all the time. Uh, you're not official members, you know. We'd love to invite you into that. Oscar and I talked about a, a membership class for new people where we could get together and talk on that topic, and that that's coming down the road. Um, God wants to do a new thing. He wants to do a new thing in my life, in your life, and in our church. He wants to do that. And we are so easily distracted from what God wants. Aren't we? One of the metaphors that God uses about His people and Him is the metaphor of a shepherd and sheep. And so, He's our shepherd, right? And that makes us the sheep. 
And sheep are interesting creatures uh, in God's scheme of design. When he created sheep, he did many interesting things. But one of the things I learned about them this past week is that sheep have peripheral vision of 320 degrees. So you and I have peripheral vision that's like 180 plus or minus, right? Sheep have peripheral vision back to here. And so what happens with sheep, because they have this wide, wide field of vision, is they're easily distracted. And there's things that they see that they shouldn't be seeing. And they easily then wander off and kind of nibble their way to lostness, if you will. And what the evil one wants in your life and in our church is for us to be distracted and to nibble our way off course, to nibble our way to other things. He wants to keep us laser focused on a mission to reach people for Jesus. That's what he wants. And he wants then for us to help those new people who come to Jesus to become more like Jesus, right? That's what it's all about. And so that's our prayer and our hope going forward. And Lord Jesus, that's my prayer, my heart's desire as a part of this family, that you would lead us forward together, that we might have a sense individually that we are being transformed, we are being renewed, we are being revitalized to become more like Jesus. That we would have that sense personally as well as collectively as a church. And so Lord, we have high expectations of what you're going to do. We have high expectations of how you're going to answer prayer. We have high expectations of the opportunities you're going to give to us to reach this community and beyond. And so, Lord, we, we commit ourselves afresh this morning to be those, uh, those sacrifices, those living sacrifices, not conformed to this world, but transformed. Lord, we would commit ourselves afresh to be transformed, to be the men and women of God that you want us to be for your glory. Help us to do that is our prayer together in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close. We open with the song for Christmas. We're going to close the song reminding us of what Jesus did for us. First Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you have received
morning, hasn't it? Good to be together. Got a couple of birthdays this week. Uh, Wesley Lansing on Friday and James Gutierrez on Saturday. So happy birthday to uh, those two young dudes. Uh, Valentine's cookies. You saw if you saw your bulletin, opportunity there to buy someone you love a Valentine cookie or someone you don't love, you just kind of like them. That's okay too. Uh, so you can order cookies in a variety of ways. Tim's going to correct me if I'm wrong. You can order them by email. You can fill out the form and turn it in at the Co- Connection Center. And either one of those uh, means will get you uh, cookies prepared. And you can pay for them the, the day that we pick them up, which is on Sunday the 13th, I think. And so uh, you want to do that, um, buy a cookie for somebody you love and help support our youth group. In your bulletin, there's also a whole page uh, kind of thanking the Lord for servants who are serving us. And uh, this week we wanted to highlight our young people that have been serving us out in the courtyard with our uh, gathering in between the, the Bible school hour and, and church. And so your bulletin lists uh, Daniel and Wesley and Tyler, uh, Angela and Daisy, all those serving. And so we just want to say thank you to them. And if you get a chance to see them in the eyes and say thank you, do that. Well, yeah, do that. And then also a reminder, uh, Heights of Grace is going to be at the Farmer's Market this coming Saturday, right? This coming Saturday, 9 a.m. So you want to come and be a part of that. It's just an opportunity to meet people, have conversation, look for opportunity to pray with somebody. Um, It's just a casual kind of thing. You can come and just hang out and pray for other people that are engaging people in conversation if you're not ready to go do that. But uh, we'd love to invite you to come, be a part of Farmer's Market. And if you don't know anything more about it than that, talk to Beth and he'll clue you in on where to be at 9 o'clock. Okay? May the Lord Jesus empower you this week by His Holy Spirit to live the kind of life that He wants you to live and you really want to live. And may He go before you to pave the path for opportunity in the lives of people around you. People at work, people in your neighborhood, people in your family. There's someone this week that He wants you to engage in a spiritual conversation to move them just a little bit closer to Jesus. May He go before you and empower you and enable you by His Spirit to do that. Have an awesome week.